Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Well, Matt, I'm really enjoying uh, this journey into John, Gospel of John. We only, we've only covered the first two chapters in our last episode, but um, it's just so great to be back here reading these passages and John's sort of approach. So deep. It's yeah, just yeah, so deep, exactly. isn't it? And, it's, and it is in contrast to, uh, quite a contrast, should I say, to the Matthew, Mark and Luke narratives, where, um, where this is really taking a theological approach to who Jesus really was. And uh, mm. You know, the interesting thing uh, that about this gospel is that there's actually a lot of theological commentary that John provides. And actually, it's difficult to know where his commentary begins in Jesus' right. words. And it, it's interesting because uh, in some versions, uh, you know, choices are made about where that happens because you get the, you get these red letter versions of the I think your oh, Bible right. is a yeah, yeah. red letter version so they so uh, you know the translators are sort of guessing at where John's G- saying something and where Jesus is that's saying right something. yeah yeah but actually we don't quite know where that line is because quite seamlessly John goes in and talks about and and makes you know th- like theological reflections on the things that Jesus is saying wow yeah. Um, uh, and I and I suspect, uh, yeah, I, I suspect because John, there's a certain sort of style and a certain way of speaking, like that's very thematic uh, in in John. And, and I suspect that in this version of the ESV that I've got, uh, I suspect that where they've done red red letter versions, I think, oh gee, that sounds a bit like John, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's quoting hard, it, Jesus. It's hard John, to know, maybe. and in a yeah. way, it doesn't really matter so much because, yeah. um, you know, because it's. It's written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and, mm. and so, mm. um, in a sense, it's all the it's all the word of Christ yeah. because John is authorized as an apostle of Christ uh, to write this and and make these statements. And yet, you know, I think that it, that accounts for the difference of this mm. of this gospel, right? In that, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They don't do much in terms of editorial comments, really. Even it's just they've, historical yeah, records and chronological. They've just order, pieced really, it together, it? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, they have done something actually quite theological in the way that they have pieced it yes. together. Yeah, um, because they've ordered the episodes in, mm. with a certain theological for a th- certain theological emphasis. Mm. Um, but John is a writer in his own right who who records sayings of Jesus and then adds all of these reflections and, and, and this commentary. And yeah, so, that's great. Yeah, and, and also very much orders it quite differently to yes. uh, the Synoptic Gospels, the other three. Be- so. Again, because of what he's trying to say. Well, well, listeners, yeah. it's great to have you with us. You're with Matthew and Stuart. And we I are, jumped in the deep end. You did, like you always <laughs> do, man, did. but that's, that's great. <laughs> we're, uh, we're in Thrive Deeper, episode 165, and we are picking up our uh, study through the book of, or the Gospel of John. Mm. Uh, we're going to be picking up right at the very end of chapter 2, Matt, verse 23, mm. as we lead into chapter 3. And chapter this, is, this is a lead in, these, these yeah, few yeah. verses. Chapter 3 is is probably one of the most well-known chapters of the Bible, well, particularly one verse in, in chapter 3, mm. and we'll come to that a little bit a little bit later. But um, Matt, kick us off as we sort of come yeah. out in the lead into to chapter 3 from verse uh, 23 yeah, 23 two. says, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, that's Jesus, mm. um, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And indeed, he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Okay, wow. so this is an interesting lead in. Yeah. Uh, so at this stage, he's he's not... Um, 
that the fact that lots of people and there are lots of crowds, uh, you know, believe it, it's well, you know, he takes that with a grain of salt, as it were, because he knows, you know, he knows what people are like, and and they're all swayed by the signs and and how impressive this seems. Uh, and this leads right into the next because it says it's you know finishes for he knew uh, what was in a man, and then it goes on seamlessly. Now there was a man, yeah, right. Of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Now, that's interesting um, that he came at night because, well, look, he's a Pharisee. Uh, Jesus is a controversial figure. He doesn't want, I don't think he, you know, I, there's an element of secrecy to this. It, it, look, it could be because he couldn't get access to Jesus maybe during the day. But but I think, you know, I think he, he doesn't want to be seen publicly. He's not sure yet. He's not sure. He doesn't yeah. want to be seen publicly with Jesus. Now, the, the comment is interesting, particularly because of uh, John's, what I actually take to be John's subsequent comments on, you know, and this is a judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness mm-hmm. rather than the light. Yeah. So he says that uh, down in verse 19, right? Yeah. So, and in the light of John's sort of emphasis on light and darkness and people loving darkness. And so, you know, he comes to Jesus at night. I, yeah, right. You know, I think in the context, in, in its context, you know, there's something about that that's significant. Mm, mm. So, Rabbi, uh, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Now, this is exactly what this first little intro at the end of chapter two exactly. had said. Okay, yep. so many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing, right? But did they really believe? The express reason for writing this gospel is that you would believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But what does it mean to believe? believe. Yeah. So in a way, he's going to give us a little bit of an exposition of that because they're believing because they're wowed by these signs. Uh, and as as a specific example, so he makes a general statement that people are wowed by the signs, and they seem to believe. But oh, but Jesus is is not entrusting himself to them, mm, you know. Mm. Uh, and then we have this specific example, Nicodemus, right? One of uh, uh, a ruler uh, of the Jews. Um, now he's part of the Nicodemus is part of the Sanhedrin, yep. which is the the ruling council, which was a mixture of Sadducees and Pharisees and so forth. Mm. And, uh, you know, he goes on a bit of a journey, Nicodemus. It's interesting that he, uh, that after Jesus' death for his burial, he, he makes quite a big donation yeah, he does. Uh, to Jesus' burial, which would indicate that he, at the very least, he's sort of on Jesus' side. Whatever that means. I mean, yeah. it doesn't say a lot about... He's, he also, at one stage in John chapter 7, we see Nicodemus sort of defending him in the, in the Sanhedrin. So, you know, uh, so he goes on an interesting journey, Nicodemus, but it, it, it starts here, right? We know that you are a teacher come from God, for, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So Jesus answers famously, truly, truly, uh, I say to you, and this is always when Jesus is about to say something really important, he, that, that's how it starts. Truly, yeah. truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm. You know, so in response to... Nicodemus is saying, look, we can see that obviously you are, and, and Jesus, no, 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 actually, no, actually you don't really see. And, and by implication, neither do all of those crowds really see. It's not, I mean, there, there, there may have been some, but, and he says, because unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the interesting, this is not a um, this is not an unknown uh, idea. This idea of being born again, it was understood actually that uh, that proselytes, non-Jewish proselytes, when they when they kind of uh, converted to Judaism, they were said to be born again because remember, um, you know, a, a Jewish person uh, is you know said to be right with God or, or or a child of God by virtue of natural birth, birth. right? Yeah. Uh, and so they had this idea that if you're going that to actually become a proselyte to Jew- Judaism or a convert to Judaism, it was described as being like born again, you know, because you're born again into the people of God, right? Yes. Now, it's interesting that he says this about Jewish people to a Pharisee. Yeah, who is exactly. No, one, no you don't see, because unless you, Nicodemus, yes. uh, I mean, you know, he says unless a man is, you know, uh, unless one is born again, is born again. Yep. It's it's in Greek. It's un, un, unless a man is born again. It's, yes. it's gendered. Yep. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So you know, provocative comment to mm. say to Nicodemus mm. that in a sense, un, you know, until th- there's something that's got to happen, and until that happens, you're actually at the same of the same status. You're still in as the darkness. Yeah. Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah, so controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Nicodemus naturally, uh, you know, we, it says in verse four, Nicodemus said to him, "How can a man be born again? Be, be born when he is old? Yeah. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" Uh, so he's, you know, w- w- while the idea of being born again is, I- in a way, as a metaphor, is familiar to the time, yet he he doesn't. Link what Jesus is saying to that because yes. well he can't be t- he can't be talking about that because of the reasons that I that Just I mentioned. Yeah. So Jesus answered, "Truly, truly, I say to you." So you get you get two of these statements uh, in a row. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Mm. Water and the Spirit. What do you think, Stu? What is he talking about? Well, I think he's talking about baptism, the, the purification mm. process of, of what was, you know, water at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. So yeah. Those two, th- those two things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because, of course, baptism, and in fact, we're going to, later in this chapter, uh, we see that Jesus was baptizing. baptizing as well actually, as John. Yeah, yeah, around that time. Which actually created a little bit of a, a challenge for yeah, John's did. disciples. Yeah. We'll come to that a little yeah. later. But, yeah. So. So, so, water, so there's the this water baptism, yeah, the, the, yep. and 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 it's a baptism of repentance. Yes, you know, it, yep. it's it's preparation in a sense for receiving, you know, for receiving the Holy Spirit. So, mm. but now the interesting thing, though, also is um, is the background for this statement: water and the Spirit has a biblical background. Uh, Ezekiel chapter thirty six says, uh, from verse twenty five, "I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols." I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So something has happened to the human heart that needs healing and and, and, and the Holy Spirit uh, is given for that. And and so in Ezekiel chapter 36, the the... The sprinkling with water is also the washing away of that the purification. Yeah, yeah. Is, is is associated with that purification. So again, 
there's this idea here that Nicodemus requires this purification, that he too needs this baptism mm. of repentance. Which, as you say, would have been... For his Pharisee. Yeah, would have been extremely controversial. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's interesting when you think about Nicodemus, because we see in, in other engagement with the Pharisees, um, he, he's not offended and storm off with an attitude, who is this man? Well, who do you think you are? He actually leans in and continues yeah, on the does. conversation. Yeah, he does. That's right. Yeah. Which I think is you know, um, something to be said and probably speaks to Nicodemus's heart towards wanting to really know the truth here because yeah. uh, he does he does stick with it and lean in and uh, wait to see what Jesus, what, how Jesus responds. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, he says, that I say to you, you must be born again. This is an interesting statement, yeah. Stu. The wind blows wherever it wishes now in uh, both Hebrew and Greek, spirit, uh, Hebrew ruach <coughs> and uh, and Greek pneuma, the, the mm. word, uh, have this connection with wind. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Holy Spirit is, is God doing what God wants. You know, it's this sort of divine prerogative. It's not, it's not um, subject to the control of people. It's not, you know, in a, in a way it's not about what you achieved, uh, or what we achieve in the lives of others primarily, but the wind blows where God does what God wishes. Yes. Right yeah. now, I mean, it's it's a you know it's an interesting statement about the sovereignty of God, and and this is going to be is an interesting um, sort of counter, almost like tension point to this as we get into further on uh, into chapter three. But I, just worth putting that on the shelf and remembering yeah, uh, that, that statement. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. They are born of the Spirit by the pleasure of uh, of God. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Nicodemus is perplexed, yeah. isn't yeah. he? <laughs> now he's confused. Oh, he wasn't before. Like, How can these things be, he says. Um, yeah. And Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Yeah. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. So, And these are capital W's for we, in, in my yeah, translation, yeah. and capital O for our. Well, yeah, is, he okay. talking about the, is he talking about yeah. we as in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Or is he talking what, what in my well, translation? I don't know what it is in your translation. Uh, but no, it's just... Uh, yeah, right. ESV. What, what translation you got there? Uh, CSB. Okay. Yeah. I, in in most cases, it's. I know we, you know, Christian interpreters love that kind of thing. Oh, there's the Trinity, and, and yeah, right. But okay. we're just going to be a little careful. No, that's fine. It, it actually just... is something probably more ordin- ordinary than that because it actually doesn't uh, say that they're they're meeting alone. It's quite likely that the disciples are right over, well. overhearing this right. conversation as well. Right. Yeah. Because at night they they all stayed together. Right. So. So when he says, we, uh, we bear witness to what we have seen and, and you do not receive our testimony, uh, because, uh, you know, th- there's this also this emphasis on the disciples being witnesses, um, you know, I think it's the yeah, simplest no, explanation is to say yeah. that he's talking on behalf True. of him and his disciples. Disciples, yeah. Yeah. Um, but still love the Trinitarian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Trinitarian yeah. um, interpretation. So, you know, he's, he's really... Um, Emphasizing the fact that, in a way, um, Nicodemus, until he's born again, he's in the in the camp of those who who do not receive, or perhaps even will not receive his testament at this stage. Yeah. Now, maybe and hopefully, Nicodemus did get there we in don't the really end. Know, and do we? You okay. know, and and there are indications, and the fact yes. that he's mentioned 
at the end as someone who was involved in Christ's burial. Because normally it was just family. That was normally the prerogative family, right? So I think uh, I like to think that Mm. Nicodemus got there in the end, and 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 I and I think that's a pretty good clue to the fact that he to, 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 perhaps he did. So, um, well, I mean, this is interesting, actually. So, uh, verse twelve, we're at. yeah, verse twelve, <laughs> yeah. He says, oh, "I've told you heavenly, you know, I've told you earthly things. How are you going to believe when I tell you heavenly Many things? things. Uh, no one has ascended into heaven except uh, he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man." Now, this is one of these areas where I think, okay, is this Jesus saying this, or is this John's commentary? Because it's not introduced. Uh, it's it's not introduced in any way. So, no one has ascended into heaven except uh, he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So, this sounds like John after, because this remember this is before Jesus' ascension. This sounds like John looking back at Jesus' ascension, and yet at the same time, then it says, "And as Moses lifted up servant, in, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and that whoever believes in him may have eternal life." Is this John? Is it Jesus saying this? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not, as you said earlier, it's probably not that important for us to know specifically yeah. because we know that John is, is reflecting yeah, that's right. the words yeah. of Christ here. In, in the second verse, he, he is saying, you know, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But now it's interesting that that's going to be a major stumbling. The, you know, the lifting, because the, the, the reference to Moses, Stu, is interesting because mm. the you know, what was lifted up was the bronze serpent, right? And the serpents were the in- instruments of judgment. And there's this association with serpents. You know, of course, it was the serpent in the garden and God sent serpents among the people as a, as a, as a judgment. It's almost like giving them over. You know, there's this sense of giving them over to Satan, right? You want to rebel against me. I'm going to give you over yeah, yep. uh, to these serpents. There's something very, there was something in, in numbers very symbolic about that judgment. And then it's interesting that the, 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 the healing was create a bronze serpent and, mm. and lift it up. Mm. And so when the people look at the symbol of, their, of judgment, they'll, they'll be healed. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing, you know, as Paul says, that Christ became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, th- there's this sense in which the cross is the symbol, also is the symbol of God's judgment. Yeah. That, that Christ, in a sense, took on our sin. He becomes, as, as Paul says, becomes uh, sin, you know, that, that we might be, you know, made righteous. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting connection there with the lifting up of the ser- serpent. It, yeah. It's a, it's a powerful symbol of the, of the sense of faith because, you know, in Moses' time, it's like they had to believe that by doing that, they were going to get healed from yeah. the, the bites and the venom. So, it, you know, it's it's really a bit of a symbol of yeah. the power of faith to heal. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. um, it's interesting and completely a side note here that the medical symbol, you know, that we yeah. see is a snake on a pole. You know, it's like, isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's For right. For healing. Anyway. That's yeah, it is. Yeah. All, the, all these little remnants of, uh, yeah, yeah. of, 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 of the Bible, yeah, in yeah. a Bible story in, yeah. a, in our culture. Um, then we come to verse 16, you know, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, the most well-known uh, verse uh, in the world, which can be a problem, Stu, when things I get really totally well-known, isn't it? We, we we don't really hear the weight of it. We can rattle it off pretty quickly without actually thinking about what yeah. that actually means. And yeah. That's right. And actually, in this, you know, at this point, well, it's not, not only does it have weight, but for Nicodemus, uh, it, it would have really carried some shock value as well. Right. Uh, can, you, can, can you guess which bit of this would have carried a bit of shock value for uh, Nicodemus? Probably the part, the, the, John 3.16, or am I allowed to go to 17? John, uh, <laughs> 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 no, it's, you know, in, in, in Jewish thought, 
you know, God loves Israel. He, yes. God loves his people and Not he's going to judge the world. And exactly. in fact, at this point, they were really wanting God to, to judge the Romans. That's right. To vindicate his people and judge the world. Right. Mm. That's what they were after. That yes. was the great hope. That was their understanding of the Messiah. That was to come and save they, us, not everyone else. That's right. Us. So when Jesus says, for God so loved the world, yeah. you know, I mean, again, here Nicodemus would have thought, what? That, that's not the plan. Mm. The plan is that he, he, he loves us and he's going to judge the world. Uh, and, and so Jesus makes this explicit. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only or unique, unique only begotten, some uh, trans- translations, yes. yep. his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. I'm not. That, that's not that's the not plan. I'm, I'm here not for. here to yeah. condemn the world. Yeah. I'm. I'm here to save the world. But in order that the world might be saved through Him. And again, the issue here is that no, no. But God saves Israel, mm. and He judges the world. This yeah. is really going against the grain of what Nicodemus of would have expected. Nicodemus knows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, certainly against the grain of what they expected about yeah, the Messiah, because totally. the Messiah was meant to be a military figure who is going to destroy uh, mm. all the evil do- evildoers. Now, of course. And we see that all the way through, you know, with his conversations with the disciples where he's constantly saying, no, no, I, we didn't come to, you know, win this war with swords. And, yeah. you know, that's that's not how this is going to play out yet right up until the end, even, you know, uh, yeah. when Peter cuts the ear off of the Roman centurion. He comes like, no, that's like, not the plan. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so throughout, yeah, throughout Jesus teaching, he has to deal with this. And it's yeah. why, you know, it's why sayings like, you know, if your enemy strikes, you turn the other cheek. That's yeah. just that was just so Count. Against the grain uh, yeah. of what people uh, were wanting at the time. Yeah. So interesting. And then in verse 18, and remember, you know, we looked at the at the verse, the wind blows wherever it wills, so it is those born of God, right? Mm. You know, we don't, uh, th- this is not subject to human control as such. And yet, verse 18 says, whoever, be- this is very, and it's very emphatic, whoever believes in him, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. And and the sense here too, uh, throughout John's gospel, is that belief is very much an act of the will. They were not willing to, to walk in the light. You know, they they didn't want their they didn't want their because he says down in verse twenty, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light mm. and does not come to the light, mm. uh, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's yeah. why they don't believe. Yeah. So come back to the already word. In that, in that verse, which seems almost redundant unless it's trying to say something mm. m- more important. Yeah. You know, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is condemned. Why already. is already, you know, what is, yep. what is that saying to us? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I would suggest that... Uh, you know that 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 this person stands in a sort of stands or in conflict with God, like now in this life. It's not right. Uh, yes, there's going to be a, a judgment in the future. I I see what you're saying. So essentially, we're all already condemned, yeah, because we haven't. Yeah. but as soon as we accept, we're not. So if we don't accept and we stay the status quo, yeah, we're that's already right. condemned. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. yeah, so so behind this is this idea that everyone is. Yes. And and this I mean this is the interesting thing isn't it because again Nicodemus would have thought well not I'm us. not yeah. not me I've kept yeah. the law right yeah. but and again in the same way you say oh I know you're a great t-. and Jesus says no no you don't know anything unless you're born again right mm, mm. um and 
again, Nicodemus would say, well, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm not condemned. I'm part mm. of the covenant and mm. I'm one of God's. But no, no, you're not. Until you believe in me. Right. And so really, really, he's speaking again to the Jewish people here by saying, you know, you, you think you're right, but actually you're already condemned until yeah. you believe that's right. this. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's very emphatic, isn't it? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Yeah. And this is judgment. He's, you know, I mean, he's, he's you know, goes into this a little further. And this mm. is judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's interesting that statement because it's not about the things that you do. It's it's the it's the works that the, it's the work that the Holy Spirit, Spirit does, does in you that matters yeah. Yeah. again. So it comes full circle yeah. uh, back to that, and uh, and highlights the fact that the issue here is this sort of reticence to come into the light mm. that is in in a, it really is the status of God's you know of God's people generally and and you know for Nicodemus as someone who feels that in the light of his achievements in keeping the law that he is he is righteous he's already justified yep. and because in a, in a sense those who hold on to that self-righteousness are the very ones that are going to be most reticent actually to come into the light and yep. realize yep. that that's all that's not going to cut it you know and so you know, in in that sense, he, he's speaking. You know, he's speaking very directly to Nicodemus as someone who's most in danger because of his self righteousness, mm. potentially mm. as someone who's most in danger of not realizing. Yeah, because he's made the assumption that yeah. he's already that's all right, good. good. Yeah. But as I said, you know, I mean, I, I, hopefully, you know, Nicodemus went on this journey and 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 sort of got it. You yeah. know, got it, got it yeah. right in the end, and yeah. certainly there's some indication that it wasn't. You know, that there were that there were uh, people, you know, high up who did in in the Jewish well, I think uh, hierarchy we that got defend, this. I think we see Nicodemus sort of defending Jesus later, and yeah, in, yeah, in John in, chapter in John seven, chapter there's seven. a well, it's a sort of subtle defense. Yes. I mean, he's he's sort of protecting himself a little bit yes. in a time when Jesus is very controversial. But as I said, the fact that he's involved in Jesus' burial does, I think, say something. Yeah. Now, before we move on to to Verse 23, which I'm picking where we're going next with Jesus and John the Baptist. Just wanted to encourage our listeners. I don't know about you, but one of the things I struggle with, and and I know, Matt, you've been leading our church for a bit of a journey on this, is to remember that God always loves us. Mm -hmm. You know, the sense of, oh, gee, I just can't imagine that God loves Mm -hmm. me right now. Mm -hmm. And and I've found it useful through challenging times in my life where perhaps I felt like I'm unlovable Mm -hmm. uh, to God, is to actually substitute, because of that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave, we can rattle that off, to actually put my name in. There yeah. and to say, for God so loved Stuart yeah. that he sent his only one and only yeah. son. And uh, I think that's a great way to make sure that this that verse in particular just doesn't become something we rattle off with yeah. actually really owning it, yeah, that's what right. it means for us personally. Yeah. And anyway. of course, uh, of course, God loves not because of exactly our attributes, right. exactly he, right. he, he loves us because He, he is, is love. love, it's because who He is. So it's not. Yeah. It's not cr- his God not being love is not behavior. is yep. not creature dependent. You That's would right. say so. Yeah. He doesn't think, oh, gee, Stuart, the, you know, Stuart is really great. I, mm. I think I really love him. No, no, he loves because he, he is, is love, love. Yeah. and and it's of God's very nature uh, oh, to love. So that's great. So now we move into yeah. verse twenty-two, 
and uh, we, we sort of hear it by at this point in time, Jesus is starting to gather his own sort of followers. John the Baptist also has uh, some followers. Yeah. You know, they would have used the term perhaps disciples. Mm. I think in, in the scripture they use the term disciples as well. And uh, we see that Jesus and his disciples went off into the Judean countryside. Pretty important. We can kind of walk past that, but really what we're saying here is Jesus took the 12 and is really sowing into their lives mm. over the next, I think it looks like it's about 90 days or something or other. Mm. I'm trying to remember how long it was mm. um, to really invest in them for yeah, the future. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then also he's baptizing. That's we, we don't, correct. I think in reading the, the other gospels, that's not a detail we get, no, yeah. but actually that's interesting to note that Jesus also baptized, baptized people. people. Yeah. And, and of course this is a baptism of repentance uh, because he's calling people to repentance uh, as this, as the really gateway to their salvation, the Jewish people to repentance, you know, uh, yeah. is, is, you know, yeah. and and we've covered that, you know, uh, you know, including uh, Nicodemus. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this kind of brings to to a head, I guess, the sense that you know, and we're going to read this in a moment that John's ministry, you know, that the the, um, the identity of John in comparison to Jesus, that he was the forerunner, he was the yeah. one to go before, he yeah. wasn't the yeah. one, um, really comes to the fore because up until that point in time, John. John had been baptizing people, and and, yeah, that's right. um, and now Jesus is doing that, and more and more people are beginning to to mm. follow Jesus. Interesting yeah. comment here, Stu, in um, verse twenty four, John chapter three, verse twenty four. It says, and, and it's in brackets in in yep. uh, in my in the ESV version here. For John had not yet been, been put in prison. prison. Now you wonder why would John need to say that? Because everyone knew that John was killed when he was in prison. I mean, he didn't yep. get in and out. So, you know, of course, if John was baptizing, of course, he, he's not yet been put in prison. So why do you reckon John feels like he needs to say that? It's interesting. I, yeah. It's an interesting little and, – and I, and I think and, – and this is the, the comments uh, that, you know, New Testament scholars make the comment that this is actually shows that John – John is – first of all, he's assuming that, that readers are already familiar with like Matthew, Mark, Luke – because he's, you know, he's he's referencing this because he knows that he's ordering things in a slightly different way, and and so with that he's anticipating the object. Hang on, but that didn't happen then, or or that are you mixing up the chronology? So here he's saying, no, no, I'm not mixing up the chronology. I'm actually doing something uh, different to, to the synoptic gospels. Right, right. So so it, I, I think it's it's his way of, you know, it's it's sort of indirect reference to the fact that he actually is assuming that people already know that, and but the synoptic gospels, which shows actually, you know, and and certainly from the, er, the in the earliest Christian literature, um, there is this uh, understanding of you know. Or, or this exposure to the gospels, they were very, you know, very much circulated. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John after after it's written. But you know, I think he's um, he's showing that uh, he he knows that he's doing something a little bit different. Anyway, that's just a little detail that I thought was uh, I thought was interesting. Yeah, no, um, it's sort of things you read over and and uh, but it's an interesting uh, interesting point. So. So there's this discussion going on uh, between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, interestingly, uh, Stu. The discussion, you know, was this about whose baptism maybe was, was you know, some have suggested this is a discussion about whose baptism was better. But also the, the baptism itself was kind of controversial because it, all Jews understood that the temple uh, 
was the mechanism through which people were purified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so already John's baptism would have been, I mean, it's probably all of these things. So already John's baptism was a bit controversial. Like, what right do you have to, you know, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. But then Jesus is baptizing as well now, yes. you know, uh, and like, whoa, you're both baptizing. And so it says they came to John and said, Rabbi, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he's baptizing and all everyone's going to him. Was it not just a seat of pride? Competitiveness. It's like uh, more people are following that guy now. Do you oh, think? no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm that sure that's the fact. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, you know, they're they're concerned that you know Jesus has taken all the glory here. Yes. <laughs> and John's <laughs> kind of. Yep, <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's the uh, that's the idea. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven, right? I've, so in other words, he's saying, I've been given this ministry as a forerunner, right? And the forerunner has come. Uh, and, yes. and in fact, he speaks about, you know, the bride and, the bride and you know, like, yeah. and the background to this is that often throughout the Old Testament, Israel is depicted as the bride. Well, in all of the, all of that background, the, the way that's used in the Old Testament, Yahweh, okay. yeah. God is it's the, the groom mm. of Israel who is the bride. And yet John is saying, mm. I'm I'm just the friend. He, he's the bridegroom, right? Yeah. yeah. And he, like, that's, this I'm, is. I'm kind of the best man yeah. at best. That's, yeah. it's actually pretty, this yeah, is a is. big claim uh, about, about Jesus. Uh, you know, Jesus being uh, the bridegroom. It's interesting that um, he says from verse 31, talks about he who comes from above is above all. He is from the earth. He's talking about himself, belongs to the earth, and he speaks in an earthly way. And he refers to Jesus in, continuity with this idea of the bridegroom, mm. right? That he comes from heaven, right? Uh, he who comes from heaven is above all. I mean, that's also, that's quite a big claim. Uh, so he's, so John is essentially saying he's fundamentally different to me because I'm from the earth. And he is from, from heaven. heaven. He has actually yeah. come from heaven. And so he bears, he bears, no one receives his testimony. Um, whoever receives his testimony sets his seal on this, that God is true. This goes back to John's initial comments about Jesus being the word, you know, if that to accept Jesus is to accept God's word uh, in, in, in yeah. it, its embodiment uh, in yeah. Christ. Then in verse 34, this statement is an interesting statement. For he uh, whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. measure. Now, that again, that statement is interesting because the Jews understood that God gave his spirit to special people to some measure, right? Different prophets, it was understood, different prophets were given the spirit to some measure, right? But uh, John is saying that the Messiah, that Jesus, he gives the spirit without measure. Mm. That's a pretty big statement. Yeah, it is. You know, very big. Again, big statement about what Jesus had come to do. So he's... The bridegroom, which is Yahweh, essentially a claim for his divinity. He's come from heaven. Again, big, big claim. And he give he gives the spirit. Like yeah. know, I mean, in, in in Jewish thought, only God, God pours out his spirit. And yet he says of Jesus, he gives the spirit without measure. Man. Yeah. These are this is, you know, the, the, these are big, uh, big claims that John is John is making. The Father loves the Son. And has given all things into his yeah, hands, that's right. verse 35. And whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You know, going back to your statements about he is already condemned, mm. that you know, that, or yeah. you already stand condemned if you don't yes. believe. But if you do believe in the Son, you already have eternal life, like right now. So it's not that's just right. about extent. Yes. 
uh, to be born again, to go back to the beginning. Mm. It's a nice little symmetry to this discussion, Stu. Yeah. To go right back to the beginning, to be born again, means that you actually enter eternal life now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.